0: Welcome to Backroom Talk.
1: Alright guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. I am Georgia, here with Carl, and uh, we are...
0: I almost said, I am Carl?
1: Like you did, yeah, you, No, because you did this. And I was like, I I'm, I'm Carl.
0: Gosh, you caught me off, guard. No.
1: <laughs> well, this is part two of a two-part series where we sat down to chat with the uh, Big Dogs coaching staff. Uh, they were here for the summit. Uh, so we thought it was a good opportunity to uh, pull them into the room and have a little conversation on some topics that we knew each of them would shine with. So if you haven't listened to part one, uh, go back there. We chatted with Whitney. We chatted with uh, Henry. And we chatted with Sam. And now for part two, you're going to hear a little bit from Will here from mizar Fuentes ortega and from michael Ban, that old guy boom yeah enjoy the episode guys and uh, make sure you leave us a comment like subscribe review all of the things let's roll all right so we're here with will uh will thanks for joining us and we wanted to chat to you about some insight you have between some overlapping areas of the fitness industry because mm-hmm. you were Just like uh, Whitney we chatted with Whitney Uh, you wear a few uh, a few different hats and you've got some connections to the rehab world you obviously work with fitness competitors Mm -hmm. and people like in the more fitness and health world as well and then more on like the sport development side with uh, some young athletes so uh, I think it would be really interesting to hear from you the things that those worlds have in common and the things that they have separate so Kind of got them listed out here. I'm gonna read you one question at a time because otherwise we're just gonna get lost. (laughs) (laughs) I I figured. (laughs) So, what is one thing that fitness coaches can learn from the rehab world?
2: I think it's the individualization that you see a lot more in rehab, uh, especially from like a personal side. You know, when you look at the shift in therapy research with the emergence of pain science and understanding, you know, that tissue isn't everything. Kind of biopsychosocial model we've And we've probably intuitively been doing this for a while, but, like, we take a step back, really talk to our patients, we get to know them, like, kind of meet them where they're at. And I think with fitness, you know, we look at, even if a client tells us they have this grand goal of the games or a six-pack or making varsity, it's like we treat them as such as, and we kind of ignore the steps along the way. So
0: you're saying, uh, sorry, I just want to make sure I'm following along. On the fitness side, you're saying, uh, you know, games, varsity, six-pack. We're just saying, okay, you're that person that can be there. So I'm going to give you programming and I'm going to coach you
2: like you're already there. Is that yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah. Both the coaching and then the mentality. I don't think we respect like the growth needed to get there. So mm-hmm. it's like the lack of the, we don't do as good of a job of personal relationships and kind of like digging into the other side of things.
1: Cool. Yeah. You'd never really look for or expect shortcuts or like templates from someone who's providing you like medical healthcare. So why would you? expect that from someone who's looking after your fitness yeah
2: it's like when you're in pain it's like okay we'll break we'll break back we'll figure it out because you know we have the speed bump but it's like we just kind of no matter what the issue even though it's just as important as being in pain even like lack of success we'll plow through it
1: yeah let's go flip side so uh the rehab world what could they take from fitness coaches
2: structure and periodization that is super easy that's a um you know we do a good job i think we do a good job of assessment, maybe picking intervention, but we don't under, you know, we'd probably do a really poor job of like, okay, we've been doing this for two weeks. What's the next logical step? We've been doing this for six weeks. What's the next logical step. And then something that I do a lot of is like ACL and like post-op, you know, that's, uh, you know, even like my knee scope was like super simple, but it was like a four month project, you know, that's multiple blocks of training versus even someone who has like those more serious, like ACL or rotator cuff reach instructions. That's 12 to 18 months to like full performance. Like you need to kind of have this like long-term vision and like progress through those changes a lot better. We could do that a lot better.
0: Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because, uh, in the rehab world, you're used to seeing a patient from, you know, post, post, uh, surgery from this, this month to this month and that's it. So you don't really have to consider Everything else that's happening 18, yeah. 24 months
2: down the road, I or think I think it's two things. Um, <clears throat> one is the insurance model limits you. So even if it's a non-surgical thing, say you have someone who's had a tendonitis for two years, so they haven't trained well for you know maybe a year, to the point where they come see you, you, get them out of pain, and it's like, okay, well, do I jump back to where I was two years ago? What do I do? You know, so you know we could probably see them for three more visits, periodize their first step, and get them rolling. That would be a benefit. I think the other thing is. Um, you know, just in PT, like I taught in a PT program, like we, we don't teach, period. like it's just not part of our education. You know, it's, it's something that we're ignoring that's super important.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I, not, not to stay on that. I just find that so interesting and intriguing because I think there's always a reason, right? I don't yeah. think like universities are like, well, fuck this thing. Like we don't <laughs> think this is important, right? Like I don't think that's the yeah. case. Why isn't it taught? In your opinion, is it just a timing thing where it's like, we just don't have the time and, I think you know, so. we have other it's,
2: curriculum. It's not tested on boards. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like when you look at progressing patients, it's like based on pain. It's not, you know, again, it kind of goes back to like insurance models. It's like, so what we're looking for for graduation or to prove they need more therapy, you know, it's so short-sighted that, you know, we cater to that. And then, you know, I just... <sighs> you know, I think you really have to specialize, like you have to go into a really sports minded either internship or, you know, you know, clinical rotations or like do a, do a residency. Like for me, like I kind of fell into it just because like I worked at a gym throughout graduate school and then like practiced in a gym. So it was like very normal in my mind to like apply that. And it wasn't until that I think I taught or like worked with some of my friends I graduated with on like sharing patients or whatever. I was like, just been doing the same shit for three weeks, mm-hmm. five weeks, like just got to do something a little different, progressive to realize that this was such a big problem.
3: There's yeah.
1: got to be something to the fact that a lot of people aren't returning to performance and like sport. They're returning to sitting at their desk or on their couch as well. Absolutely. So,
2: yeah. You know, when you look at that, it's like the, you know, we look at these standardized tests, which are great because like it lets you know, like what's an expected level capability but the pool that we use to establish those is definitely not appropriate for the people that like come across my remote coaching desk or you know, like roll to one of our OPEX gyms. Like, you know, they'll get hurt and they'll max out this standardized test, but that's nowhere near their desired capability. Right. So it's find the right practitioner who kind of speaks your language and, you know, can meet you where you are. It's, it's funny though. Um, this has been my last point. Then we can
0: go to the next one. Um, you said that, uh, the rehab world can learn from the fitness coaching world, uh, periodization and, and, and how to progress things. But it's funny. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this. I, I thought about this one example when you said that when fitness coaches try to dabble in the rehab world, right? Like think about like these, you know, grandiose ups that, you know, fitness coaches spend all this time in, in, in research thinking about like, how do I get my client to do X, Y or Z mm-hmm. And they'll they'll give like – and we, I think we all know what that looks like, right? Like warm-up, you're going to go three sets for quality. You're going to do this. You're going to crawl. You're going to do some nerve gliding. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And then that coach just puts it in the client's program for 24 straight weeks. Same volume, same reps, no progression in mind. So it's interesting that you're saying <laughs> that uh, – that that the uh, rehab world should take that from coaches but when coaches try to dabble in that yeah. rehab world they don't follow what you're saying or what they're doing in like the a b's and c's and progression
2: no i think that's hilarious because it's like uh you go through my programs it'll usually be three week blocks of a specific corrective for that body part so like if we do an upper lower split um like i have a client devlin right now he's like he got a crazy motorcycle wreck and wants to get back to running and lifting and like so one of the big things is like motor control around the ankle, tip anterior, and so like Mondays and Mondays and Fridays are three week blocks of ankle mobilization, specific strengthening pieces, but they're only for three weeks and they're still progressive reps week mm-hmm. to week. So yeah, it's funny, it's like you ignore those things. It's like you can still make whether you want to call it corrective or rehab exercise progressive and stepwise. You know, and that should be happening even in like your ACL, like yeah. your first, like your first four visits, the exercise may not change because of the surgical limitations, but it's reps, sets, rest periods. Like you can apply all the things of like muscle endurance, you know, maybe not absolute strength, but just like these variables and tweaks, like you can still, prog- those can still be implemented at any part in the rehab stage. That way it's like, there shouldn't be eight visits in a row. They're exactly the same, no matter where you are.
0: Yeah. So no matter what rehab or. In the gym and trying to get bigger biceps there has to be some type of adaptation that has to occur if you're doing just like you know ankle the same ankle mobilization thing monday through friday for eight weeks in week three you're probably just your brain's just like the fuck yeah i've done this you know 10 times already what are you doing man so yeah it's interesting
2: absolutely
1: let's go to sport performance uh, and one thing that fitness coaches can learn from the sport performance side of things
2: it's funny because I thought about this, you know, and then we had our conversation this morning. I would say it's the uh, fitness coaches who learn from sports performance the, that we don't need absolute loading at the volume that we think we do, right? So things like sprinting can drive neural, dri- sprinting can drive neural changes. Um, you know, your athletes can perform really well and really highly without the absolute heavy loading all the time. You know and i think sports performance coaches kind of do it on accident because we're scared to hurt people you know because we're these athletes knowing they don't get paid or they don't perform based off of a deadlift or a back squat so you know it's a little bit fear-based but we do leave them a little bit fresher and i think as fitness coaches we could see that and i think that in our company like it was definitely something that i've learned and do a much better job of now of like cyclical loading like sam has tons of great examples like masters athletes you know um, I think that's something that I would like to see more in the fitness industry of understanding like, hey, you know, if you have like this high training age or, you know, you already have a good level of absolute strength, like we don't need to like do these super high CNS driven, you know, high recovery activities all the time.
0: Yeah, I think uh I think a lot of fitness coaches they almost try to reach for they almost try to reach for things that they think will have carryover by accident where sports performance coaches are, well, they should be fairly dialed in and letting the goal be the goal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you could have a fitness coach and they're working with someone. This is just because we had that quick conversation a couple weeks ago. You have a fitness coach and they're working with someone that's getting, getting ready to go in a marathon, not just like run it, but like they want to compete in a marathon. That fitness coach is probably going to, you know, look at things like, I need to in- improve the one rep max, this and that, because it could have some carryover where the performance coach or the coach that coaches a bunch of marathon runners, they're probably just like, they're in their brain, they're thinking about miles and pace when they're actually doing that thing. And they're like, yeah, fuck, I'm not putting, you know, 85% of this this uh, person's absolute load on their back three times a week because it's going to take away from all those very specific things. So, uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm.
1: Last one. So right. uh, what's one thing that sports performance can learn from fitness coaches?
2: Um, I'd say probably a sp- especially from like our model is the variation you can do for aerobic aerobic and lower aerobic conditioning so you know it's not just you know i don't know how many people have just sent sent their kids on a 20 mile run not a 20 mile run but you know just like you play the sport go run like i'd probably say like fighting is probably the best one's like you know um i don't know how many wrestlers run 6 miles a night and it's good but we could actually give them less eccentric contractions. We could actually do things like timing their shadow boxing, put a heart rate monitor to it, you know, mixed map work of carries and rowing and biking. Like there's a lot of things that we do that could be more convenient, you know, play into, because like, you know, I grew up in a cold weather state and like put on like nine coats and go run around the lake and, you know, um, and you know, if you're biomechanically not great at running, you're just going for a plod. So I think there's a ton of things that we could teach them to improve, Uh, what they would consider conditioning.
1: Yeah, I love
2: it. We need to
0: do a full one of these because I, I
1: have like I a whole lot guy of... on for longer. long Yeah,
0: yeah let's, let's set up like a full 60 to 90 minute one, man. That's yeah, we a, definitely know. need to. Yeah, we can roll, roll um, on that.
1: Yeah, appreciate your uh, multidisciplinary uh, yeah. insight, Will. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we are here now with Mazar. So Mazar, Big Dogs Coach, and then uh, OPEX Montreal is your gym. And uh, anytime I speak to someone about you, Mazar, they're just like their face starts to glow. They're like, Mazar is just like the best, kindest, nicest human being. I don't know someone that has had a bad interaction with you. Maybe you know someone who's had a bad interaction with you. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I always hear good things from you uh, in terms of your personality. And that's why we wanted to talk to you about relationship building with clients. Uh, You do it well with all of us as a coaching team. I haven't chatted with your clients, but I'm guessing you've got pretty good relationships with your clients. So our question for you was uh, three recommendations for building good relationships with clients.
4: Three recommendations. Listen, first of all, just hear what the person has to say. You know, often we're very quick at just throwing out there what the plan we think should be. But really when you start listening to the person, it's something completely different, you know? So once you actually start listening to where, where they are, what they want, um, yeah, what they've done, what has worked or hasn't worked, that's where you can come in and add value to where you're at as a coach.
1: Is it a matter of just sitting and listening or is it what happens after you sit and listen?
4: It's asking the questions and waiting for the answer, you know, because like I said, sometimes, you know, you ask, hey, how are you? Good, good. You, good, good. Then you move on. But, you know, if you dig deeper sometimes, maybe the person has more to say than just good, you know, yeah, so how was your day? And then you keep evolving on with that and, you know, more specific to coaching, you know, when someone comes at you and, you know, has done, I don't know, some program, why did they stop it what worked what didn't work you know now what what are they trying to to look forward to or where where can i help them and you know it's when you stop and actually listen to all of those things that you start you know kind of have clues of where to to move forward with that
0: just uh for the people that are listening to this um what are some strategies to catch when you're not listening like in in what your definition of listening is um Not just like the back and forth and the mindlessness, but just uh, what are some strategies for coaches that are listening to catch themselves, right? Like, how do you check yourself to make sure that in every one of your conversations with every one of your clients that you're actually listening? You're not just like hearing them and like, you know, moving the conversation forward. What are are some strategies if anything comes to mind?
4: Yeah, I mean something that i go back to is like am i listening to the person or am, or am i already building an argument to answer back to the person right it's not about proving that i'm right or wrong it's about to understanding where what that person is saying to me and if i'm understanding it well right even saying back to them okay so you're telling me this is that correct is that the direction you want to take is that what you've already done is that something that you've tried is that something that worked or didn't work yep so just stop are you answering already in your head what they're trying to say or argue with you, or you're actually listening to then be able to formulate an actual opinion or give them your advice, your yeah. knowledge.
0: I think that might be tough for some coaches because a lot of coaches are type A, right? Like type A personalities, and they want to be the uh, the driver of everything, the driver of the program, the driver of the conversation, the driver of the relationship. And because a lot of coaches are like that, I, I think that most want to come off as if they know everything right so um when you said you know uh, don't try to formulate the argument in your head instead instead listen immediately i thought or don't try to formulate the answer yeah maybe maybe more questions need to be asked um because i've caught myself doing that in some conversations um and that's that's what i thought about when you said the listening piece of like how do you check yourself and i've i've caught myself doing that like formulating answers to someone's like problem or question and I don't actually understand it I'm just like trying to solve 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 instead of like dig deeper ask more questions and stuff like that so yeah, that's a good that's a good number one listen
1: I like that I'll add one little piece there in consultation uh, it can be tempting as a coach sometimes to think about this laundry list of things you want to get through with every client like I've got to hit on their exercise their nutrition their sleep their hydration so on so forth And you spend time on the first thing and you're already thinking about the next thing you need to ask them. So just making sure you're giving them time to focus on, you know, the one piece and not already thinking in your head about what am I going to ask them next? Just spend time with that one question.
4: Yeah, because sometimes that's the only thing you're going to talk about, but that's the most important one that you need to talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. if you need to move forward with that.
1: Absolutely. What's number two piece of advice?
4: Number two, number two would be I guess to get um, the plan in front of your client and agree with them, you know, like, is this okay? Based on what you just said, this is what we're going to work through. You know, is this, does this make sense to you, right? Put them on your side, because if they're not on your side and they don't understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, they're not going to do it. Or maybe they're going to do it for a bit. And then they're like, ah, fuck this, that's not going to work. And then you lost them. But if they do understand the process, they're like, okay, let's try this for three weeks or five weeks or whatever. Right now, they're behind you. Now they understand, okay, you did this before. Now, this is what we're going to try. And we're going to go step by step, right? It's going to be hard because now you're building a new habit and blah, blah, blah. And you're, you know, set them up for success and understanding. Look, this is a challenge. This is what what we're going to go through. It may work, you know, but stick to it and we're going to get some results if they understand what's the plan
1: you got to have a plan, though, to be able to explain to them, right? I think right. Uh, some people jump into uh, program design. There's not a plan there in the first place. So have a plan, number one, and then make your client a part of that process.
4: Absolutely. Right. And, like, again, bringing it to their level, where they're at. Right. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. We didn't
0: pay Mazar to say any of this stuff either. This is stuff that – this is shit we always talk about, right? But, no, that's good. I think it's – uh it's good to hear it in a different way. I think the, the way that you're saying it is a, a little bit different than, than the way that we say it usually. And something that I like there is like speak a language that they can understand. Because mm-hmm. um, remember going back to like type A. I know everything. I'm the coach. I'm going to talk a little bit over your head. So you actually can't, um, you know, challenge the things that I'm saying. Instead, you're saying like, hey, I'm talking directly to you. I want to make sure that you're, you're understanding what I'm saying and that we're, you know, in line with this plan and, and we can move forward I like that. Yeah.
4: But even if you're a type A, you know, this is where if you listen and then you give all of the knowledge that you have, you can have even a bigger impact because now on top of that, you're showing that you're competent, mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah, a lot of trust is built there too.
4: Indeed. Yeah. Final piece of advice. Final piece of advice. So we had listen, we had... Uh, Share your plan, formulate a plan, stick to the plan. Mm. Yeah, often you know we're too early at oh well that didn't work. Let's change gears. Let's change. No, no, look, it takes time. You know, if you think of a habit, you know, you're not gonna stop. I don't know, uh, watching you know your phone before you go to bed, like just cold turkey. You know, if you go step by step, maybe. Three days out of seven. You're gonna
0: Lay this days. out, Mazar, because I think a lot of people need to hear how to stop looking at your phone before <laughs> bed. <laughs> Lay it out. Give me the. Give us the master plan.
4: Well, again, just bring awareness. Yeah. It, right? Like, what did you do before going to bed? Right? You could just start by, I don't know, you finish eating, go for a walk, actually do the dishes, you know, uh, speak with the wife or go walk the dog, take a shower. You know, what are the steps you're doing prior to going to bed? Like, bring awareness to that or, you know, I just finish eating turn on the TV, you know, uh, yeah, go to bed and watch your phone until you fall asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the process, how many years have you been doing that, right? And then from there, that's where you need to understand that there's gonna be victories, there's gonna be failures, and we're gonna have to circle back and build up again. You know, when we think of habits, it's, it's tough to admit, you know, I've been doing this for years. Is it good? I don't know. But once you bring awareness in another perspective, then you shine light to another way of function you know, it's not easy. And if I tell you, okay, let's wake up every time at the same time, even on a Saturday or on a Sunday, you know, most of the responses is, <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yeah, that's once good. you start understanding, then, then you can build and, you know, allow room to, to have some error, allow room to understand that there's normal. You know, we're all human beings. You know, we have to experiment with it. Understand that, you know, there's change and feel that change. How did you feel the nights that you were able to put the phone away earlier, right? Imagine that would be every day, you know, and instead of being one off day that you're not on your phone, now make that one off day that you are on the phone, right? Making that an exception, making a treat, make it at whatever, you know?
0: Yep. Yeah. And you're not saying, you know, never pivot away from that plan, but, you know, stick to that plan for long enough to truly understand if that plan worked or not, because we'll all, you know, prescribe things that don't work, right? Uh, but we have to know, you know what what is that what is that time domain where we're like,, uh, okay, now I have to shift this thing up and I need to communicate that again, right? It's like, you know, I, I kind of think of the the thing that you the three things that you laid out is like this just like circle that keeps going, right? Listen, formulate, share, stick to it, pivot as as needed, listen. you know what I mean? It's yeah. like just this like uh, perpetual circle that's just going on.
4: Definitely. reassess redesign yeah yeah same thing back in it. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: thing i really like about that last one is uh it's not just on the coach it's the coach and the client uh it's a two-way street right uh coach has to have their principles and their beliefs and help the client stick to the plan but it's up to the client to stick to it in the end on a good coach-client relationship requires on requires both parties to hold up their end of the bargain so i yeah. think you can't gloss over that point it's mm-hmm. uh it's everyone
4: yeah there's the principles And, you know, there's the actual reality. You know, imagine someone that hasn't eaten breakfast for years and think that intermittent fasting is, you know, the answer for everything. And now you have to make them eat breakfast. You know, I'm not going to go into now, let's stick with the macros. You know, let's put on top of that supplements. You know, let's put on top of that the training routine. You know, you need to meet them. Okay, where are you at? Let's start with eating breakfast. You know, what is it? I don't know. I don't care. You know, as long (laughs) as you have breakfast. Mm -hmm. You know, and some days, oh, no, I'm better when I don't eat breakfast. No, 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 you're not. Look, go back to how's your energy throughout the day. You know, how did you feel? How's your poo? You know, and build from there. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you, Mazar.
4: Thank you. Appreciate
0: it, buddy.
1: We have, we have Ben here. You you know him already. Yeah. I feel like we don't need. You to. You know what's cool? He's intros, his yeah. head's
0: floating because black with the shot, lighting, black he's background. black and black. So you're gonna be afloat. Like it's gonna look cool, man. It is. to look good. Uh, if ninja. If, very ninja like.
3: Flex, and then I'll be a, I'll be visible again.
1: <laughs> well. Uh, for those that again don't know you, go back and listen to uh past episodes of Backroom Talk with Michael Ban. But uh, today we have a very specific question we want to draw insight into, yeah. and that was uh, what are three things that people should be doing that they're not doing for their health?
3: Oh man, yeah, uh, probably answers that people wouldn't expect me to say because I'm like the nerdy physiology, let's look at your gut health, let's do stool testing. But honestly, what I think three people, three people. There's more than three people doing this, I'm sure, but the three things I would say would be setting boundaries, uh, experiencing life, and lack of reflection. So those three things I think, um, you know, when we talk about health, you know, a lot of the things we do, drink water, go to sleep, work out appropriately for your needs, your goals, and your training age, and all those things, those are all behaviors. And oftentimes those behaviors get skewed for a variety of reasons. But, you know, if we're not setting boundaries, then we're allowing ourselves to sometimes become too busy, traumatized, um, and other things where it will kind of detract from our capacity to take care of ourselves. And I think that's the same thing with like just reflecting and experiencing life. And so I think if you're not doing those three things, the odds of you, great macros and hydration and perfect training, those things are probably going to not be in your life at all. And I I say that because I I, I work and still do work with a lot of people um, for health. But, you know, back in the day when I used to work primarily only with health, like people that are 400 pounds, it was never an issue of like, hey, man, just go drink more water and you're going to be good. There was always an excuse as to why they couldn't get something done. And it's like, huh, there is an underlying emotional thing that's kind of causing somebody to not go drink more water or to not, you know, eat their vegetables or get some sunlight or exercise. There's always a reason. And, you know, we can be kind of egotistical and call it an excuse, but it's a reason and it's a valid reason. And I kind of drew from, um, wow, brain fog, brain, brain fart. Um, it's the afternoon,
1: big day. Yeah, I know, right?
3: I need more of that, <laughs> that, that mushroom, the, force, the foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck foreskin. <laughs> foreskin. Okay,
0: thank you. Yeah, yeah, I so, needed some more content. Yeah, foreskin.
3: <laughs> I keep pronouncing it wrong, but
0: not foreskin. No, wait, I, I made a I made a joke. I was like, you know, in some cultures, you know, they, they they'll grind up the the placenta and they'll put it in a pill and they'll they'll take it, right? Like they'll 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 swallow that pill. I was like, "Man, in my culture, we take foreskin. <laughs> we grind it up. We put it in this pill." And we take so Ben had some foreskin, foreskillin, <laughs> and L-theanine. So he's uh, he's, he's come, coming back from that. And four cups of yeah. coffee this and morning. four cups of coffee, yeah.
3: <laughs> to be fair, the cups were like this big. So <laughs> it's like the equivalent of two. So it's okay. Um, but yeah, it was uh, Bruce Lipton. That's his name. So the biology of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, people's perceptions 100% can be absolutely wrong, but their belief structures are never wrong. And so I started to realize that in people. And I was like, man, like. You know your belief behind these things like i can't disprove what you believe but like your perception is so out there like no so i started to kind of think about that about a decade ago and it's been really like on my brain the last few years like the amount of times i've looked at blood work and stool tests and dutch tests and like hey man like if you just got more sleep most of this stuff would get better oh i can't go to bed i gotta do this for my husband i gotta do this for my wife or my kids i gotta do this for my coach or my my gym or whatever my business It's like, all right, so there's a boundary setting thing. A lot of us are codependent and we don't realize it. And then that's where like the reflecting comes into play. I was guilty of that. And so one of my mentors would always tell me just to reflect after every interaction. Just reflect on it and just without judgment, just kind of as James would call it, like notice your noticings. And at first you just notice stuff and then you have to notice that you're noticing it. And you begin to reflect on that and then you start to go, oh, yeah, that comes from there. Oh man, I gotta kind of sit with that, and that kind of ties in with like my the samurai coach talk that I'm gonna give this weekend. you know you you can't just decide to get rid of these these things that you have that are like going on, you have to sit with them and like really sit with them and be like, oh god that like that's kind of a gut punch to realize that I have that like problem, and I think we don't do that enough and because we don't do that enough, we can't transcend and grow so um one of my mentors, Sharon, you guys know her, mm-hmm. so she would always say. It's a shit pain outcome cycle. And like we all go through shit, all of us, you, me, everyone, like you guys, everyone, we do it. Then that causes some pain. And if we don't learn, the outcome is basically going to be right back. It's going to repeat itself, but it's going to be bigger shit, more pain. And then you either learn or it gets even bigger. Or you learn and you grow to the next shit pain outcome cycle and it never ends. Like there's always stuff to do. There's always shit to kind of go through. And I don't think we do enough reflecting on those things. And that really, really can kind of keep us in this like behavioral, like groundhog's day, you know, with like, you know, the movie, like with Bill Murray, like every day he wakes up. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's like, and we see this in clients, you know, when you've done this long enough as a coach, you're like, okay, you're like my 30,000th client and uh, you just like everybody else. And you just see it enough times and you just realize like people aren't sitting down to be like, And truly reflecting. And then I think like the experiencing of life thing, you know, that's something that we get so caught up in like wanting the PR and like, you know, you're like, oh, I can't have that beer. I got to, I got to do some rowing next week. You know, I really can't have that glass of wine with the wife or I really can't go camping or I can't do this thing. And we kind of forget that like for us, at least my belief is, you know, I'm coaching people to reach a more inspired life through the modality of fitness. And some people are truly inspired to compete, and that's their season of their life, like they're athletes, and that's where they find inspiration and fulfillment. Let's go. Let's crush it. Let's dial everything in, macros, micros, hydration, sleep, relationships, everything is aligned with competing. You're inspired. Then, you know, you kind of grow and you evolve, and you're like, you know what, I I kind of want to just be fit enough to be able to, like, go hike and, like, hang out with my kids and all that and experience family, but it comes down to experiencing life. And I think we don't do that enough. I think we get caught up in like, oh, I got to like my I, my self worth is wrapped up around this one thing. And uh, you know, kind of like Michael Singer. Um, if, I don't know if you've ever read any of his books, mm-hmm. like, The Untethered Soul, right? Yeah. So he talks about like you're the experiencer of your experiences. Like I'm a coach, but actually, coaching is just something I do to pay my bills. And I love what I do, but ultimately, you know, if like. I think coaching became illegal and, like, all of a sudden, boom, coaching is illegal. You're not allowed to do it anymore. I don't cease to exist. I just got to go do something else to pay the bills. And so, to me, experiencing life is something that people forget to do because they get too caught up in simply, no, I got to do this one thing. And they just forget to live.
0: Yeah, yeah I think, oh, sorry. Go for it. You call. sure? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, take no, no, no. No, yeah. When, when you said the thing on, uh, you know, you know, people aren't living their lives because they have this rowing interval that they have to do next Wednesday or, um, you know, I'm at 9% body fat and I need to get to 7.5. Those people might be drawing inspiration from the people that do need to be 100% dialed in, like the athlete, Mm -hmm. where it's like micros, macros, hydration, sleep, training. Everything has to be like boom, 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 right? And the person that's, you know, maybe it's a person that's seeing that person do that and how dialed in and all the success that they're seeing and this person that's like i have rowing intervals next week it's like there's no there's no outcome of those rowing intervals really they're just moving right mm-hmm. like so their coach programmed those rowing intervals their coach didn't program those rowing intervals because they need to win a rowing interval competition mm-hmm. That coach programmed those rowing intervals just to do some work, right? But that person is drawing, uh, drawing inspiration from the person that is dialed in. And they think that for them to see success in this endeavor, because maybe there was no connection with the coach and the coach didn't lay out, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. They might actually think that, you know, I have to be this person to see success in the thing that I'm doing. Because there might have not been someone that, you know, was your was the Sharon to you where it's like, yep. you know, you got to notice that shit. You got to reflect. You got to think about it. And, like, never had that opportunity to say, like, why do you have to be dialed in for those rowing intervals next week? Why do you feel that way? The person's like, well, because I just do, right? Like, oh, wait, do I? <laughs> right? Yeah. And they start to really notice that stuff. Um, but I think that really long, drawn out, you know, thought of me kind of walking through that was just like, the person might just be unaware, yeah, right? Totally. Like there there, might not be anything wrong. The person just needs to have a conversation with someone and have someone like you had say, hey, just notice that stuff. And like, why do you feel that way? Why, do you, why, why, does, why does the outcome have to be this or that?
3: Yeah, and I think that's where, like come back to the original question, like the idea of like, what are like three things people are not currently doing to be healthy? Let's define health. Like to me, health is the ability to live well, despite the inescapable sickness and disease every single one of us will encounter and we get so caught up in this like oh no we can't get sick we can't we got to stay healthy all the time no that's not life so the ability to live well despite the inescapable sickness we all eventually encounter that's that's healthy so if somebody's you know they're they're like oh i gotta get dialed in for these row intervals well i want to ask the question like why why do you need to do the row intervals like what is it doing for you to help you with your goals and your alignment of your values. And you know, if those row intervals are truly helping you with your goals, here we go, let's do them. Mm-hmm. But ultimately if you're not reflecting on like, well, why am I doing this? Um, you know, a lot of the times well, I want to get better at rowing. Well, why do you want to get better at rowing? Well, because ultimately I think I'm, it's going to help me lose weight. Why do you need to lose weight? Well, because I'm single and I want to like find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or I want to get a mate and I want to like get married. Why do you need to lose 20 pounds to get married? Like mean, that's. Let's talk about that, and let's reflect on that to kind of figure out where the heck that comes from.
0: My brain immediately went, to, "Why the hell do you have to do rowing intervals to get married?" <laughs>
3: that's what it, yeah, that's what it like, comes to, right? That's how people <laughs> think about it, right? Like people will think that they'll think, "Okay, well, I need to lose twenty pounds because that'll make me more attractive, which will make me more lovable." But ultimately, like they're like, "Well, if I row, I'll lose weight, I'll lose twenty pounds, and then I'll be lovable." Why do you need to row to be lovable? And mm-hmm. when you put it that way, people are like what like (laughs) oh shit you're right like why do i need to do this okay let's talk about that lack of thing that you're having let's reflect on that and i think if we all just reflected more on our own shit myself included we would all get a little healthier we'd all find a little bit more alignment and honestly i think if we're more aligned with our innate values and values evolve throughout our life you know 18 year olds will see things different than like 35 year olds but if we get more aligned we're more likely to be healthy in general like, you're not going to want to eat pizza and beer on the regular or at least not have that, like, craving if you're hydrated, eating vegetables, getting good sleep, good fitness. Like, you're not going to have that natural inclination to eat that junk food because you'll be in balance with physiology. But it starts up here. You know, it's a top-down approach. Where the mind goes, the body follows.
1: Well, Michael, we appreciate that insight. Uh yeah, And some, it. like, slightly unusual answers you know yeah. like you said not what we were uh, <laughs> we're going to expect so much appreciated. we
0: need to up another one because i d- want to dig into i had some other questions that i'm going to hold those me too <laughs> um i want to talk about in the future i want to talk about what health is and is is health actually individualized as well um don't answer that just think about it <laughs>
4: <laughs> i was about to start yeah, yeah yeah but uh
0: yeah let's uh we're gonna go grab some dinner right now yeah. So we'll cut this short and uh, thanks for jumping on, man. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, you thank you, Michael. Yeah. appreciate
1: it. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for listening to that episode with Mazar, um, Will, and Ban or Michael.
0: Uh, Let's go with Ban. I think we'd call him Ban. Yeah, I, I, I call him bad. Michael sometimes in more of like uh, official settings. In a like, seri- when you're telling him off. I'm like, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That you got scared, right? Because you haven't seen that. That was a little intense. Yeah, Your you kids se- experienced that, but
1: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that in the workplace here. Uh. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, again, if you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen to part one from last week. Uh, and as always, please like, subscribe, leave us a review. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you.